ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿತ್ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಶ್ಲೋಕ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದಿಕ್ಸ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಪಾಯಿಂಟ್ ಟೂ ಟೂ ಸೋ if i have to pick two the second one is 6.17 which is yukta har viharasya which is having the balanced way of life and if i have to pick three then the third one is 6.5 where it is udretatmaka shatru hai aur atma hai atma ka mitra but i think for this one i'll just cover uh, 6.22 my understanding of it and um, actually swami spg has done a special lecture on just this shloka as well uh, it's called no greater gain um so uh, let me just chant the the shloka yam labdva cha param labham manyate nadikam tatah yasmin sthito na dukhena gurunapi vil sorry gurunapi vichalyate so this shloka actually covers three parts um parts so the first one is why is uh, spiritual gain the greatest gain and then the second one is what is it that we gain and then third is how do we do it so it's a pretty comprehensive shloka so if you look at just the first part why is spiritual gain the greatest gain it is the greatest gain because um actually it's not a gain but you claim so you claim what you already are so there's nothing that you are gaining from outside and because you are just claiming what you already are your true nature um once you claim it you cannot lose it so so that's why it is the greatest gain and then what is it that we gain um uh, it says in the second line that uh, um it leads to total elimination of sorrow atyantik dukha nivritti um uh, that even the the biggest sorrow cannot shake you um so now if we look at it then the sorrow is actually not removed from the mind but the claim is that i am not the mind so if you look at what is the relationship between the mind and sorrow that relationship is not like the relationship between a rope and a snake so the rope exists and a snake is illusionary the relationship between mind and sorrow is not like that if it was like that then the knowledge can remove that because if there is any illusion when you get the knowledge of the reality the illusion is removed but in this particular case mind and sorrow they actually belong to the same reality 
and their relationship is that of a guna guni which is substance and its property substance and its attribute because it is the nature of mind to go through we we are talking here more about sorrow because that's what we want to eliminate but sukh and dukh both they they are the attributes or the quality of the mind so if it was the relationship of a rope and a snake which is more of adishtan and adhyas that is you have a substratum and then there is an illusion on it like we have on the rope and the snake or you can think of uh, uh, sand and uh, mirage water and what we notice is in these two examples that we take the two things are they belong to different realities but the mind and sorrow they belong to the same reality so that's why the sorrow cannot be removed from the mind because um they belong to the same reality and only what we can do is we can do fir reduction you know by by practice etc but if we think about atma and mind or atma and sorrows there the relationship is of rope and snake and hence with the knowledge both mind and sorrow can be eliminated once you have the understanding of atma okay so only the the total elimination of sorrow from mind is never possible we can totally remove sorrow only from atma by understanding that there never was sorrow in atma so this atma becomes different from mind and sorrow but but atma remains and the others are because they are of a different level of reality they can continue to exist in that level of reality but they don't impact like the water in the mirage it cannot wet the sand it cannot impact the sand in any way because they are of two different realities sand is of the transactional reality and mirage is of the illusionary reality so if they are of two different realities like when we go to sleep if we are full but in the dream we begin to feel hungry again because there is another mind and body which is created in the illusionary space which is different from this mind and body now the mind and body of the dream actually when we wake up we say it was a dream but if the person in the dream was to be awake without getting into the wake state that's that's um that's possible but it's not possible by doing the mind kanash so what i'm trying to say actually there are some practices where we we try to do vasnakshay and manonash but both of these can lead to fir reduction but but manonash actually it will it will lead to a temporary relief from sorrow so if we are say in nirvikalpa samadhi um we will not feel the pain or anything because the mind is for the time being it subsides but in reality if we have to realize we actually need the mind because in the mind only will the mind will realize that it is not the reality 
So that's why I gave that example of the dream one. The person in the dream, if it has to know that it is dream, it has to know from the mind of the dreamer. Knowing that as a waker happens only when the dream goes away. So, so I think it is more to say that it's just we have to claim the status that we are Atman. Nothing else needs to be done because rest everything happens in a transactional reality and it can continue to happen. But from the absolute reality perspective, there is no sorrow. There is no mind. And then the third thing was, how do we do it? It says, when you are established, you are sthit in Atma. Again, here it doesn't mean that you are sitting in Atma, but you have to claim that you are Atman. So, so I, I thought, you know, this, this uh, shloka actually beautifully covers the teaching and a great tool to do Nididhyasana as well, that we just need to claim that we are Atman. And that claim um, can begin with claiming in the mind, but eventually the mind will, will subside itself and just the Atman remains. Thank you. Wonderful, Alpana. Thank you so much. Any questions for Alpana? So, so the I the perspective on the snake, and uh, I'm just as you were talking, Alpana, right? So, it's uh, it's really one of a memory, right? Because the whole thing is whether it's a snake or a rope, right? The whole is is driven by the memory, correct? If I don't if, if there's a one-day-old child who's neither seen a snake or a rope, right? So to your point, right, that, that, that the whole memory is what, you know, the past memory, which is a mind layer, is what drives everything, right? So if there's a way that can, um, you know, and, and the Atman is not that, right? Memory is all baggage that we collect, either the yeah. last, last Janma or this Janma that we decide to keep with us. So yeah. if you remove that filter, then what remains is the pure Atman then. Uh, then at least you are in getting into a space uh, where you're not judging good or bad, right? It's something is lying in front of you, something is lying in front of you. Neither you're lab labeling it as a snake or lab labeling it a, a rope. Neither you're getting afraid of it, nor you're feeling relaxed from it, right? All the emotions that the baggage that goes with it goes away. Uh, uh, that's at least, that's how I, I kind of always look at it as a memory-driven. Uh, memory is what drives the, all the other duality. Uh, otherwise, you, what remains is the pure Atma, right? If, if the memory is not there and the duality is not there. Just yeah, and you take it one step further that mm -hmm. whether whether the mind is disturbed by the snake or not, even that is illumined by you or the Atman. Mm -hmm. So you can be fine even when the mind is bothered mm -hmm. because you are not the mind. Correct. Then it doesn't matter whether the mind had some memory. Yes, it had some memory because mm -hmm. of which helps to prove why mind is feeling something, right? Mm -hmm. Even whether the feeling or not feeling. When you are established in the Atman, actually, if you just switch the perspective of instead of looking at it from the mind, you have to switch to look from the side of the Atman. Absolutely. Atman just illumines. And then this whole body-mind of your own, which you call it now as your own, that also just appears as any other person's. And you are the Brahman, which is the same in the other person also. So it's not that um, 
you will even get bothered if somebody else is getting okay you can you can decide that yeah this mind and body is not going through anything it is just you are just an observer of that not only that but others also mm-hmm. so you have to come down to the mind level if you have to to feel even even for others but yeah but if you are in the atman even whether the mind is disturbed or not disturbed even that cannot impact the atman that's why the water cannot wet the sand mm-hmm. there are different levels of reality so even that side but what you are saying absolutely is needed because even once you know you have this breakthrough to improve your life as this person i think it's important what you're saying to practice and useful for the world for the lok sangra probably not for you but for the lok sangra because i mean if you're a gyani but you keep behaving in a very rude way you are creating rakkas in the in this level of reality and it's of no use so so it's good to good to get away from that but i'm saying it can happen actually even without changing anything on the right hand side which i call as the body mind and everything else mm-hmm. salpana so a question is it fair to say that the you know the dream person uh does not have the opportunity to realize that he or she is a dream person and there is a waker whereas a quote unquote a woken person has that opportunity to realize that he or she is not a woken person but there's another state of awakeness correct and there is not another state of awakeness that's the unfortunate part from the waker but you're not that so that's why that mind is very important because through mind you need the through mind the mind needs to know that it's not the reality to stop bothering you and that you are different from that thanks alpana subo you can hear me right yeah. um i think um, when i was hearing you i was uh, sort of understanding this from what we took out of 6.5 you know udrayat atmanam and there we i think we discussed that um, the mind actually operates at you know different levels okay so when it is thinking of something uh, it is called manas when it is discriminating it is intellect when it is attached to something it is chit and when it is proud of its achievement it is ego ahankar so in a way when i was hearing you what i was trying to you know uh, understand was if one was to work not from the mind level or the chit level which is like you know a sense of detachment because chit is about attachment right so you be a detached person uh, you know uh, you don't operate from a mind chit and ahankar but you operate from an intellect perspective right then in some way at that level of mind you're actually trying to be detached and you're also trying to discriminate through the knowledge that you have gained and thereby able to dissociate yourself from the pain and sufferings or you know uh, that actually one is uh, probably undergoing that's how i i sort of assimilated it um not sure whether that's the same point that you're bringing across or is it something else that so, i'm so, missing 
what you described absolutely is fine at the mind level so that is where the fir reduction will come right so reducing the, uh, the frequency the intensity and the recovery period you can reduce all of that where you get to a certain situation but i am saying if you become a observer of even this whole process going through because then then you're dissociating yourself completely from uh so uh, not even not even the intellect is dissociating with the situation hmm. i'm saying right. even the this whole process of the intellect dissociation disassociating itself from the situation you are observer of that yeah so it, basically you like an observer right you're just observing what's happening around yeah uh so observer also you're you're more of the one which is facilitating it or you know on you are the screen on which it is happening but whatever is happening doesn't touch the screen yeah yeah so if you can take it to that next level that is the gain that is being talked about here because you are established in atman not even in the most purified intellect sure any last question falbana rajesh we can't hear you i can saw you Yeah, now we can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Any any last question, Alpana? Awesome. Thank you, Alpana. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. So uh, next, who's going next? Krishna. Oh, okay. Ah, uh, Hari Om, everyone. Um, so I um, there is a famous South Indian dish called Aviyal. Uh, so you make like put lot of vegetables and you can make one dish. so to pick one shloka i made an avial of a shloka like four phrases from four different shlokas or maybe three shlokas but into one uh, so the phrases i kind of try to think of them as this mini shortcuts that we tell ourselves uh, that that throughout the day when when life hits you in full swing it's very hard to remember the bigger lessons so take like one small phrase for example i like 211 very much because it's ashochiyan anvashochastham don't worry be happy it like maps to a very nice song or you can say karmaneva adhikaraste it's like this very very small things uh, then from third chapter i remember mai sarvani karmani like dedicate all the things to me so i try to take some of the small phrases and see if i can apply uh, so for uh, chapter 6 uh, whenever i think about it i remember these uh, four phrases udaret atmana atmanam only you can do it with your higher self to bring up your lower self and how do you do it abhyasena vairagyena you have to do it with dispassion and with practice and does it immediately going to work no shanai shanai uparamit so you can do it only very very slowly you can still the mind and uh, if if all this fails at least remember that there is this teaching nakinche dapi chintayet so just remember that this is the only thing that you have to you have to stay in your own mind to remember this lesson so the big aha moment like i was uh, recollecting this uh, funny story so there are three robbers who robbed a temple and uh, they robbed it and then they are moving along their way suddenly they get this guilty conscience so after all we have robbed a temple this is not fair and we should do something and then so the first robber like you know he draws a circle then says i'm going to throw the money whatever falls in the circle i'll put it back in the temple hundial and he does that 
the second robber goes saying you are like very stingy you are like putting bhagwan within a small circle so i'm going to do the opposite i'll throw whatever is in the circle is to me but whatever falls outside to the world i will put it back in the hundil the third robber goes you both of you are very stingy bhagwan is everywhere how can i put him in a dimension so i'll throw it up whatever bhagwan wants he can catch it but whatever falls down to the ground i will take it right so um so the reason i remember is like we always keep coming up with some type of an excuse some way to cheat ourselves or uh, thinking oh this is fine this one time i'll excuse myself or maybe next time i will do better tomorrow i will get up at 4:30 day after tomorrow i will do vishnu sasanam and so on so all these things various things and not not only for the higher lofty things even very small things like you miss a traffic light and saying oh my bad karma like why did i get this red now when i have to go to this meeting or something like so um, so these phrases keep coming to me like either if i am calm gen- then generally udaret atmana atmanam will come but for the most of the other times it's like something else that keeps coming up to the top so uh, i found that the, the last phrase of the four uh, you have to do it slowly to be the patience and then abhyasena vairagyena that's the only way you can get the this passion through practice uh, but nakinchita pichintiyet like really stuck with me more it's like kind of also as a computer scientist it's like a nice while one loop while one nakinchita pichintiyet because the moment you say i am doing my 60 second repetition 63 64 and your mind goes oh when i was doing 63 i probably mispronounced something or when i was doing 62 my went off and guess what you have now messed up 65 and then the 66th repetition you are thinking oh i just thinking that i am thinking and i am not doing my japa recitation correctly or mantram correctly and and uh, i think that's like to me appeal less like one of the biggest teachings of the bhagavad gita is live in the present because the past will haunt you the future you are just worrying it's not yet going to happen either like karma phalam or it is prarabdha whatever let it happen but if you just do only the current moment if you can take care of it without even thinking i am doing don't even that's other lesson sarva sankalpa sanyasi so don't even make a big wish or a plan or something but whatever needs to be done just do it very well remember nakinchi da pichinte it if you can think of bhagavan at that moment and then realize that the bhagavan is atmana atmanam you are that same thing that you have to lift by yourself that knowledge uh, helps now and then but with more practice hopefully it will it will become existing for a for a longer time so that that was my uh, aha moment from chapter 6 hari om Awesome. Love the story. Any questions for Krishna? Rajesh, you're muted. Huh? We can't hear you. No, I'm able to hear uh, Rajesh. I'm able to hear. Yeah, I'm also able to hear. It's funny. But... One Salpana and one Sub. But I was able to hear both the times. I, don't I know couldn't hear. I couldn't hear at all. Okay. Rajesh just asked any questions. Hey, that uh, the... last phrase you were describing krishna na kinchita which uh, shloka is that please which number um i think it's 625 uh, so that is shanai shanai uparamet uh, and then na kinchita pichintiye that is the last phrase shanai shanai uparamet is the first phrase mm-hmm. and then uh, oh, the oh, last oh. quarter is na kinchita pichintiye without thinking about anything else stay in the mind i mean the atman higher mind yeah oh i will post the four phrases in the, no, the no, no, i got it i got it yeah
Thank you, Krishna. Thank you so much. Uh, who's going next now? Ashish, are you ready? No, Rajesh, actually, I'm not ready. I haven't completed chapter six. Okay. But no uh, as I, like yesterday, I was just uh, looking at the messages back and forth. I didn't go through all of them, but yeah, if someone is looking for a cheat sheet, I think chapter five, the last three, they, they cover the entire chapter six. Okay, so we'll wait wait for you maybe for the next week or something. And yeah, so... I'll complete okay. those three and then I'll come back. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Mukur, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure, I can. So let me, I just put a PowerPoint just to not lose the track of. <clears throat> Give me a second, let me share it. Right. Are you seeing my PowerPoint? Okay, let me start with the prayer. Ityanandam Paramasukadam Kevalam Yanamotim Dunvadidam Gagana Sadusham Tatvamasya Dilaksham Ekam Nityam Imalamachalam Sarvadi Sakshi Budam Babaditam Tregunaragidam Satkurum Tamnamami All right. Thank you. Uh, when I was actually revising chapter six, uh, there's a lot of lot of uh, kind of aha moments, different angles, right? Some personal insights, some around uh, you know our whole whole philosophy of Hinduism, Sanatan Hindu Dharma. So a lot of a lot of angles I could uh, I was just kind of uh, having aha moments. I just put put them not necessarily in any order here. Uh, I think the first aha was around you know this whole confusion is around uh, oh, I become a sannyasi, I won't do anything, right? Or not ready to take responsibility and run away, right? Oh, I have trouble at work. I want to become a sannyasi, or you know, the whole association of becoming a sannyasi and not doing work, uh, right? Which is generally a lot of times I see as a as a kind of common thread. Was uh, is completely broken. I think in one of the first loka he says that when not someone who merely stops performing all external internal activity, right? That's not not an option. Whatever you do in in the in in spiritual work, right? N sitting around and and being lazy is not a path. Period, uh, right? Whether you're a grahastha, you know, a lot of times people take take these teachings and hide into a lazy mode, becoming lazy mode. Uh, and I know clearly he just Bhagwan says that's not an option here, right? It doesn't matter which path, sitting idle is not an option. He just clears the ground right of the right of the bat. That is, I think, a big aha moment. Because I keep, you know, a lot of times there are debates going on, right? People trying to become a sannyasi. I'm going to sit in Himalayas. You can't. You can't sit in Himalayas, right? That's not. That's not what is the, the prescribed at all. That is one aha moment. Uh, the second one was around actually the whole duality concept. I think Alpana touched on it a little bit. Krishna also touched on it, right? The if you look at the whole emphasis is on the duality going beyond it, right? Uh, in terms of the, the cold, hot and cold is an example, gold and stone. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I wonder from just the, the, the framework of Hinduism, right? Sanatana Hindu Dharma, how do I distill the core idea, right? It's, sometimes you wonder, what is the core idea behind Sanatana Hindu Dharma? And always one, one angle that came is, you know, going beyond the duality, right? And going beyond the duality to get what? Right, and then 
then sometimes you know you lead on to signs of happiness right so that i'm always happy or blissful uh you know you kind of land into that space but but is it truly a sense of happiness or does it even go beyond that is one question right so what is the whole essence of sanatan when i always reflected over the years and i think this chapter gave a lot of good insights into that idea so one it bhagwan says here that you know, go beyond the duality and why do you go beyond the, and go beyond the duality and and beautifully i think uh, this 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 uh, sloka 19 uh, gives a beautiful example of what we need to worry is about the chit right the, the even though the mind has got a lot lot three or four components right the chit is what differentiates the judges the memory right um that says good or bad I, i like this mango is good you know snake is bad or any of that discrimination you know that that comes from the chit so i think in this example he uses the word uh, just as the lamp is steady in, uh, in the absence of a breeze if if the chit can react see the world and remain steady right then then we attain a state now what is that state right if the chit remains steady there's no uh then we attain a state and that i think is kind of the essence is it's a happiness i think if you look at that three shlokas i've quoted here very interesting right um one talks two of them talk about shukam right meaning if i don't have this du- judgment duality right i'm established i'm saying i'm using the word i but then you experience a space that where which which is established in a space of sukham uh but sometimes you know it's easy to be established in a space of sukham you know my my kind of own analysis but what is really challenging is when when you run into situations of dukkha right where give make you powerless right uh, something you lose or a loss uh so it really goes beyond not just enjoying the space of sukham but really not becoming powerless right what i call is not not suffering to me the essence of hinduism is more and more a reflect is is really giving us a space to live where there is no suffering right? the emphasis is really you can never become powerless in life period so to me it's really an empowerment science of empowerment that's kind of where i uh, i mean i kind of concluded this this also helped me to conclude in the same direction uh, or reaffirmed it so it's not about even though science of joy it can establish the joy but real essence is you cannot there's no dukkha possible at all uh, in when you live, when you when you when you live in that space uh, and you know and that is i think is is even more compelling and empowering as as a kind of an idea uh, that personally for me and i think one of the most empowering uh, shlokas uh, i found is this right uh, in, in when this comes in this idea comes in many 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 scriptures right ishavashopanas talks about the same idea but this is to me like one central idea of hinduism is that empowering is because once you're established in that space uh, which is beyond the mind and beyond everything else which is atman or a brahman whichever word they call it right uh, then you start understanding that everything is happening is from you right and everything is within you right I mean, there's nothing more empowering can happen than this, right? Because you cannot be afraid of anything. There's no danger. There's no enemy. There's no death. There's no life. Because and and the power of it is this empowering idea is that empowering uh, state is you can also change something, right? A lot of times there is a there is a default uh, lifestyle we live, right? If I like to if I don't like something, I need to put up with it, or I need to run away from it. Is the idea I, I am that we are given. but if you really delve on the central idea of atman and brahman it takes into your manifestation if 
if I am, everything is established in me and everything is coming out of me and everything is going back into me. I'm seeing the word me as not like in this body, but Atman. And if I can experience that, then I am also empowered to change anything I, I don't like, to, I, want, I want here, right? That's a very powerful central idea. And, and always it fascinated me, uh, some of you read Shiva Puranas, right? Uh, there is there's beautiful examples of this state Bhagwan uh, Shiva uh, uh, talks about. There is, there is this historical event where you know, there's a Chola king who becomes uh, like a drunkard and doesn't do much. And then, you know, Shiva has given a promise that he'll come and straighten them, right? The Chola empire is kind of, he's the guru of the Chola empire. So Shiva comes uh, in front as as an old man and you know calls the king and they get into a discussion, and in, as the history evolves, right, there is a, there is a like a stone elephant in front of the palace, right, and Shiva will touch it and then it becomes a real elephant and runs away, right, and then there is an elderly lady walking, and Shiva will will just touch her and then she becomes a young lady and goes off, right. So what Shiva is doing is this science is establishing, right, the science of empowerment, which goes beyond. You know, not, I mean, one is joy, not suffering, but also has a complete empowerment to change things around, right? Which I, I personally find this, this idea very central and fascinating uh, and appealing, like for me in the, in, in, as I explore Hinduism. Uh, so this, I think one of the central shlokas, this idea gets repeated there. That, uh, that is a big aha moment again, to see that again repeated in Bhagavad Gita, also this idea. Um, yeah, this was uh, always a question I asked my guru, like a constant question. I mean, I don't know how to do it, and it's all this great idea, but my mind wavers. So I could really resonate and, I mean, still ask the question, uh, very, very relevant question. And what I loved is the way Bhagwan uh, answered, right, which again reminded me of how my guru also answers these questions. So when when, when there's a question says, when, when Arjuna says, hey, I don't, this is this is too difficult. Uh, you know, I need I need a technique. How do I do it, right? And then he always first always is the responsibility of empathy, right? It's not like they'll never be saying, even though he's an enlightened being established, they will not say, oh yeah, your mind is wrong, or you know, it's always they'll first acknowledge, like exactly. Uh, Bhagwan acknowledges here is so yeah, yeah, it is difficult. So first is the an enlightened being always listens to you. Right to to your being and acknowledges the problem. They don't they don't poo poo the problem right? because it is even though they are established in a space which goes beyond all this, but they understand and empathize the perspective that you carry, bringing the problem to them. You know that is that's exactly what Bhagwan says is one. Yeah, I am. I know it is difficult, uh, and then he also shows the possibility. Right, the enlightened being always shows the possibility, which is the next exact phrase saying, "Yeah, who does work towards it, it is possible." Right. So that's exactly what a um, guru stands for is, you know, showing us the possibility that this can be done by us, right? Uh, always this is a possibility. We can all achieve this possibility and reaffirming that is, is a central idea of, uh, I mean, that's how I've seen my guru work and it's amazing to see Bhagwan also respond the same exact way. First with empathy and then with the possibility. Uh, that was like a big aha moment there. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, again, this one is a big question in, in over the years of seeking. Repeatedly, it comes up because a lot of times when you, when one, at least during my many years, right, you prioritize this over, you know, your jobs, your, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you take a break for a few years, you don't do nothing, which I did, <clears throat> right? 
So a lot of times you start wondering if you know the career goes away, your your money goes away, and all of that, right? So this question repeatedly has come many many times <clears throat> over the many uh, over the years with my guru, right? Am I missing out on something, right? I mean, people around me, I'm sitting here doing something, you know, I'm, I'm doing service in the temple, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not doing any social work, you know, just repeatedly comes up. Uh, so I could really resonate this question that, you know, what, when, what if, you know, something happens, I don't make it, right? Uh, I mean, trusting the guru and sitting and doing all this, but, you know, what if I, if I don't make it, right? Do I lose everything? Do I need to start off and so on and so forth? And then, I think I just loved these four answers Bhagwan gives, right? One, again, my my master, my guru also said exactly the same thing. One, I mean, nothing wrong can come out of the practice, right? There's no inauspiciousness that can come out of this practice. Whatever, whatever, even the attempt of seeking is possibly the best job one can have on this planet Earth. And, uh, and the essence of all this is that, you know, uh, wherever you finish your seeking, you will pick up the next life from that point uh, and keep on moving, right? And you'll be born into a family, and not only the spiritual aspect, even the material aspect, the wealth aspect, relationship, whatever, whatever gets, whatever the status you are in, both inside and outside, you'll be put in a into a into a place from where you will start and continue. And this journey of the the life inside this this continues till you know the last the sloka here is you know when when you work on all the false identities. <clears throat> Identities and merge with our and, and experience the Brahman. So that is the journey. Period. So the the whole beauty of it for me is uh, like you know, when when I heard it from my guru and I was reading it here is that I think once you start seeking, I mean start questioning this this reality, uh, you know then the whole motion gets starts right. And then the ball rolls beyond that point. There's no it cannot you cannot regress beyond once you start seeking authentically. Uh, right. Once, you, of course, when you abuse a guru and all of that, you know, then it's a different. You get distracted; it's a different story. But once you start seeking, you stay authentic to the seeking. You, you, you never lose anything. You cannot. Nothing can be taken away from you. It was again a beautiful aha moment, personally for me on this. And I think the last one was around. Uh, it's more of insight, living around the master. Right. Um, a lot of times I see that people struggle, and all. I mean, all of you, all of us will meet masters. You know, when they use the word, uh, an enlightened master will use the word like I'm, 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 uh, like Krishna here uses absorbed in me, right? Uh, and then you know, like he will use the word I am that absorbed in me, put everything in me, right? And when when I've seen my master also, my guru talk about it. When you when you when you read about Krishna, we all accept it. But when you when there's a human sitting in a human form and saying this to you. I see a lot of people get challenged with this idea, right? And then they run away from the master thinking, oh, he's egoistic and he's running away. So really, I just want to highlight here is, I mean, if as we're all seeking, right? If you ever run into a person, if you, if you who, if, whom you think is, is, is your guru, right? Who your heart resonates with. And if that person is making these statements, don't shy away from it because they are not egoistic here because they are established in Brahman and and when they say that the statement, there's no, no no small I in them. I see this is a big struggle. A lot of people run away from enlightened beings because they, their mind comes and plays the game here. How can he be Shiva? How can he state that you know his sun is rising and move? But this is all our facts. And you know, Bhagwan, that's why he's you look at it. There are at least four shlokas here. He's talked about this this concept that put everything in me, right? And if you just look at a 
if we look at somebody human sitting and attending, making the statements in front of us, we think he's a big egoist. But, you know, even Bhagwan here is teaching us, saying that, you know, when an enlightened being comes, they will make these statements. Uh, and, you know, when they make the statements, don't get carried away, don't get shied away, right? If your heart resonates with them, uh, just stick stick with them because that's not ego playing there. Then that's been my also, I struggled with this idea initially when I was my guru, but then I slowly understood, uh, you know, the, the really the, there's no ego there in play and there's really a Brahman speaking, that's all. There's a pure Brahman having a conversation with me. Uh, so that is, again, one insight I just wanted to share because I see Bhagawan repeatedly doing this Surrender in me, you know, which can all can be construed as egoistical statements. Yeah, I think that was it. So, just again, a lot of ideas. Uh, just when I was revised, uh, just many aha moments. Awesome, Muku. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, when you were showing that slide, uh, saying that Abhyasa, Abhyasa Vairagya is the solution, I was about to say, hey, Muku, please, you know, increase the, uh, put it in slideshow mode because I'm not able to see. That's when I realized I forgot my specs. Okay. <laughs> Looks like it's the same thing that with all of us, you know, we seem to see the world <laughs> from the mind, what we have, rather than taking it off and then seeing it the way it is. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Muku, um, thank you very much for this uh, summary. Uh, actually, when you were saying this absorbed in me, there was some three points that came to my mind. So I thought I will share that with you. So when you say absorbed in me, you're referring to me as Krishna. And then you said it's also the guru, right? But in the dialogue of, say, uh, Arjuna and Krishna, Krishna is his guru. Correct. Yeah. Right. So when he says absorbed in me, I think, uh, you know, that struck me that, you know, he's also the guru and he's also the God. Right. So when you say absorbed in me, I think uh, translating it to a guru is something that I would, you know, directly extrapolate. That is point number one. Second thing is, I think most of us go to meet sages and seers and saints because, you know, when we believe that, you know, I think uh, there have been enough reiterations in the Bhagavad Gita saying that, you know, one who's established in Brahman is Brahman himself. Right. So when we go and meet people like Kanchi Parya, Mahapariva, or anybody like that, or Ramana Marshi, you know, they are like really evolved souls. And since they're constantly in, you know, touch with Brahman, I mean, you know, in the state of uh, whatever they're doing. So, you know, when we go there, we are not just going to see a guru, but we're also going to see a God. Okay. That's the second thing that struck me. And the third thing uh, which came to my mind was, uh, you know, there is a saying, uh, Devam Manushya Rupena. Okay. So, so it's, it's something that I, I can't quote where it is from, but I've heard the statement saying that Devam Manushya Rupena, that is when God comes, he comes in, you know, uh, a human form, right? So I think uh, all this just sum totals the fact that if you are meeting an enlightened one, uh, you know, I think there is no harm in, you know, uh, looking otherwise, you know, and running away. So I just thought I'll share it with you. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Any other questions for Mukul? Uh, not questions, but when uh, Muku was saying about the last, uh, what Subhu also um, shared, I thought of uh, Muku's favorite shloka, Sarvabhutasya Atmanam, because that's when it says when you truly observe or see others in me and me in others. So basically, God is you and you are God. But in everything, like whether it's a stone or a you know big uh, river or you know, the Akash, the sun, the small insect, the everything. So when you see all that thing, then the Atman is you. So that that's that's what came up when Muku was explaining that. It was beautiful. Uh, thank you, Mukun. Thank you. 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 Thank
Thank you, Mako. And I really like the way that you, you know, uh, wove in your personal insights from your experience with Guru with Chapter 6. That was really, really, I would say, personalized uh, summary. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, looks like it is Sakuba. Over to you. Yeah. So, Harium, uh, everyone, I, I have a slide and I'll, I'll just show you that. Would you please also turn on your video if bandwidth is not a constraint for you? Uh, no, one second. Yeah. Okay, are you able to see? Okay. So uh, what I'm going to do uh, in the next 15 minutes is more like uh, you know a summary of the entire uh, chapter six because I wanted to take this opportunity to uh, you know kind of summarize and which I can refer to it at a later stage uh, too. So <clears throat> so I've been uh, heavily influenced by uh, Swami Paramatmananda you know while preparing for this talk. Uh, thanks to him. So you know if you uh, I'm I'm going to talk about uh, basically five uh, you know okay the entire summary uh, entire summary of chapter six you know I have uh, uh, put together in say five slides so the first one uh, you know is is on Bahiranga Sadhana uh, where you know what are the uh, you know what what is that that is required to be followed in the daily life you know which will influence the meditation part. Then we'll move on to you know the antaranga sadhana so which are you know the essential things that are required to do the meditation then we'll see what do we meditate on the dhyana swarupam as well as what are the you know benefits of uh, meditation and what kind of uh, obstacles that we may face we may face as part of uh, dhyana and what could be uh, pariharam for that so this is how um, you know i have summarized so if you, uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, the Bahiranga Sadhana, you know, has around, uh, you know, 12 shlokas, uh, you know, 11 shlokas, which covers that 1 to 9 and 16 and 17. So, uh, Bhagwan starts off this chapter with praising the Karma Yoga. So, we saw, you know, what uh, uh, Muku talked about as well as, uh, you know, Krishna talked about. So, he says that, you know, uh, you know, if, if, the, if you do the you know karma yoga properly you will get you know it'll help you in getting the self-control and converts a mind which is uh, looking for external pressures to a contemplative mind right so that's what he says then if you if the once you start doing this you know it should lead you to a quieter life uh, and which will help you convert from an extroverted uh, life to a more uh, focused mind so because an extroverted mind is going to be uh, um, uh, you know, an obstacle to do the meditation. So in, um, you know, in verse four, he talks about, you know, as you do more and more of karma yoga, so you develop, you know, a detachment to the results, you know, which is, which will help you to, um, which is typically the characteristics of, a, uh, you know, a contemplative mind, you know, the moment you, you, you develop a detached one. So, Chapter, uh, I mean, verse five is uh, Professor, Vish, uh, you know, VK also calls it as a, a star, uh, five star shloka, you know, the one that talked about, I mean, which we talk, which we have discussed quite a bit on uh, So the importance of self-control and uh, self-confidence. So let a man lift himself by own self, you know, 
uh, and not lower himself. So it, you know, you the self, the capital self can be, you know, best of your uh, friends as well as worst of your enemies. Okay, so that's what uh, he covers in five and six. Then seven, eight, and nine then talks about what are the characteristics of a self-controlled uh, person. So he is balanced in cold and heat. He's balanced in pressure and pain, in honor and dishonor, like mano up up up. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll skip the Sanskrit one. Okay, so the so he, he said to have attained a, a you know a nirvikalpa samadhi. You know, so that's that's the state of uh, the atma. Then. Um, I, I'll just, you know, jump to 16 and 17 before covering the others. So because, you know, I thought this is together, right? it makes the, uh, it all, it's all part of the, uh, what you need to do that will influence the meditation. So in 16 and 17, Bhagwan talks about moderation, eating, working, sleeping, resting, and so on, right? So he talks about uh, uh, all those things. So now, you know, if you move to the Antaranka sadhana, so he talks about shlokas uh, 10 to 15. Um, so he talks about location first, you know, so he says that, you know, it, you choose a place which is clean and pure, both from a spiritual perspective as well as from a, a physical perspective. So you identify such a corner in your house. Then he then he talks about the seating itself. So it should neither be too uh, high too, or not too low. It should not be too soft, too hard, you know, and, and make up your mind to have, you know, an one-pointed uh, attention so, so that you're ready to start doing the meditation. Then talks about posture, you know, firm head and neck, you know, erect and still gazing. And, uh, you know, the 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 tip that he gives is to look at the tip of the nose because you know that will make your eyes half closed and that's you know that will help you in your uh, meditation part right so then he talks about uh, uh, breathing sorry you know there's a small change in order so you know breathing and then you know then you do the self sense control so with with a with a with a calm withdrawn firm from the uh, you know vow of brahmacharyam you know undisturbed tension free you know, I, you you start. You are now ready to do the. Uh, you are now ready to do the meditation. So, so that was more like a, a preparation. So then, what do you what do you uh, meditate on? So the Dhyana Swarupam, so which covers from eighteen to uh, twenty six. So where he says that you know if you, you know when the mind is united and focused. So in eighteen nineteen he talks about. Um, you know, a lamp in the, uh, which is in a windless place that does not flicker. So your mind is so, uh, you know, united or yuktaha is uh, the favorite one that uh, Alpana talked about. Then <clears throat> as you, as you, as you start, you know, doing this and you're doing more and more practice, you, you attain a, you know, a quietude which you haven't experienced before. And this actually, you know, helps you to, experience the infinite bliss right so uh, and and then comes the you know the shloka that we all uh, just love to quote you know and uh, one of the favorites of uh, swami spg also you know which is the uh, there is no greater gain uh, you know once you have experienced uh, that because nothing comes um, greater than that and it also helps you to you know identify uh, eliminate the sorrow that you you were associating yourself with, and that's where you know the Bhagwan talks about the separation with the union with the pain, and that's that's the focus of twenty three and uh, 
you know, 24. So, uh, and, and, moment, and, and as you start again, I mean, you are so immersed in this and you are doing this and this, you know, you attain, you know, your quietude through your uh, intellect, your mind is established, you know, in Brahman and uh, he, sh he doesn't think of anything else. And even if it kind of wavers and you are able to bring back. So that's the, uh, this set of shlokas talk about what do you, you know, what is the nature of the uh, meditation? Then if you, if you then go into what, what, what do you get out of it? Or what are the uh, dhyana phalams that you get? And that is covered in uh, 27 to uh, 32. So once the, once the passion is quietened and your mind is peaceful, you know, uh, uh, some kind of a, a supreme bliss comes to the yogi and uh, he enjoys this union with the Brahman, you know, so that's the one that talks about in 2728. And, um, you know, in, in, then you start feeling the sense of uh, the oneness, you know, the, the, the core principle of uh, you are the one, you know, that you see, you know, the, the, the self or the Atman abiding in all beings and all beings in the self, you know, so, so you see, you see the same thing everywhere. And that's, uh, that's the, uh, you know, that's the oneness that you you start seeing and uh he Bhagavan reiterates that in 30 and 31 he says that you know those who see me everywhere and sees everything in me you know he's never separate from me and nor you know i am separated from that person so so that's a that's what in you know 30 and 31 covers when all these things happens you know then you have developed a you know a mind of uh equanimous mind you know in which you you are kind of balanced in both pleasure and pain and that is regarded as the highest i mean that state can be considered as the highest uh, yogi so um, you know once arjuna listens to uh, all these things you know uh, definitely the questions come to my mind come to his mind and i'm sure any seeker um, you know will will also have similar doubts and at least i had uh, so you know uh, similar questions so he says that okay uh, krishna so my mind is still restless turbulent and strong unyielding and i don't see the you know the the continuity of the equanimity that you are talking about what should i do so that's he asked these questions in 33 34 Bhagwan, you know, uh, as Muku said, you know, he first empathizes. Yeah, I agree with that, and it is difficult. But you know, he says with passion and uh, vairagyam, you shall be able to achieve this. And uh, you know, for the initially for the control, it is difficult. But not who continuously strive, you know, to control the self. Still, uh, Arjuna has more questions. You know, uh, very very valid ones. You know, saying that okay, so. In spite of trying my level best, if I'm not able to tame the mind, what will happen to me? You know, I will neither be here uh, nor there, right? Because I have not done, I have focused all my attention in, uh, you know, in, in trying to uh, uh, see, uh, you know, you in everywhere and so on. But in the process, I have left all my, uh, you know, the, the, at least the, doing certain karmas for you and which would have which would have probably yielded me some more punya and i've never neither done nor this and uh, you know uh, what what will happen to me will i just drift like a delusional uh, cloud and uh, and 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 uh, bhagwan comes back to answer that you know in a very uh, and 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 uh, nicely talked about those four uh, shlokas towards the end so bhagwan clearly uh, you know 
assures you that there is no distraction, you know, for a genuine seeker. So if you have started the process and if you have, you know, if you have been uh, genuine in that, you know, there is no uh, going back, you know. So you will start where you left. So suppose, you know, you're not able to achieve in this one, you know, at least for the next one, you know, you will definitely be born again in the house of uh, pure and uh, wealthy, you know, in your next birth. And that's where you can start off. And uh, he he even says that you may even uh, you may even hit a jackpot. Of course, he doesn't you know say that you know it's it's my words, but he says that you will be born in a family uh, of wise yogis, which is uh, nothing but a jackpot because it will help it will uh, help you to accelerate uh, your journey, uh, and uh, you know so it's very rare. So that's what he says, and um, you know you will start i mean all your learnings are not really going to go waste because you will start from where you left off from your you know in this, in this gen in this birth or from the previous births you know you'll be able to continue and um, eventually you will achieve you know the highest uh, goal and he ends the chapter uh, by saying that such a yogi is even uh, superior to mere scholars or our karma yogis because among all yogis one who has the full faith, you know, in me and merged with me, you know, he's the most to divert. And that's how he concludes. So, you know, so that's how, I mean, I've tried to summarize the entire uh, uh, chapter six and uh, I really enjoyed uh, making uh, this presentation. So thanks to this group and especially to Guntax for uh, nudging me enough to do this. Thank you. Awesome, Sakuba. Thoroughly enjoyed. I think it was a very good revision for chapter uh, six. Yeah. I think loud the way you packaged, uh, I, th I think the way you kind of put it all together, I just really loved it. Thank you. Phenomenal. Good job. Uh, really enjoyed that uh, talk. Superba. So only one question for me, uh, from me. So when we use the word seeker here, can you clarify maybe uh, what do you mean by seeker and how is that person, that person is different from a non-seeker? So the one who has made, uh, you know, at least one has made an attempt to understand who he is, okay, the, the true nature of uh, who he is, and understanding, uh, you know, uh, and, and then probably reaching a level where he realizes that he's, uh, he's, you know, you know, the Brahman and him are the same, once I have removed all the impurities. So I, I mean, I'm trying to differentiate between people who don't even, you know, who still live in the BMI world and not even made an attempt to uh, trying to understand who he is, whether he reaches or not, that depends on, um, you know, how well he does it and, uh, you know, his past and, uh, I mean, his current and so on, but at least the one who has made a beginning. So I, I would, I mean, at, a, at, a, at an LKG level, I would consider at least people like uh, me, I would say, you know, this group and people like me are all seekers. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I like the way that you use the word BMI level, right? Because you know, a, a good scientist. This is this is what I keep going on in my mind. Is a good scientist can come back and say I'm a, I'm a seeker, but then the part is, what is he seeking? He could be seeking something within the BMI space, which which is probably okay, but uh, maybe it's he has still not had gotten into the LK, LKG stage. Yeah. Great, wonderful. Thank you, uh, Guns. Guns could not hear Sakuba. 
I don't know if he's not able to hear you too now. Yeah, I think he says I'll leave and come back. Some issues. I think he's back. He's been there on on on. Uh... Yeah, he he went and came back. Um, just he went wondering. And, came back and again, he said that yeah. he's not able to hear. So maybe we'll we move on back. to uh, Subu. Perhaps is that the next? Yeah. Okay, uh, I can go. But yeah, uh, Subu. Subu yeah, and Viti Rajesh, we have two more, and Vidya, and Uday four. Okay. So I think mine is um, maybe a. a you know, complete uh, repetition of what Sakuba has said, because I think he summarized all the slokas. I've also done it similarly. And I've also posted it in the WhatsApp group, right? And I think, Sakuba, I think I like the way you put it into five buckets, right? Um, I have not done it like that. I've just put all of them together. So there are 12 points which are takeaways from me. Um, you know, I'm not putting a presentation or a slide, but I'm just reading it out from what I have put in the WhatsApp group, yeah? So the first thing is, uh, you know, coming to... Uh, the first few slokas, I think what uh, the Lord talks about is, you know, you start off with karma pala, I mean, uh, karma yoga, and where you actually try to renounce the fruits of the action. But for somebody who's already, you know, progressed in that, you know, for him, uh, he's recommending the dhyana yoga. Okay, so that's point number one. Yeah. Point number two is, I think, if you really have to get mind control, I think sense control is essential. That's point number two. Um, so, he says one who is neither attached to the sense objects or you know uh, actions is elevated in yoga. Under trained mind is the best friend or the worst enemy, which is the udret atmanam atmana sloka, right? So everyone has to sort of you know put an effort to you know uh, you know rise himself from the lower self to the higher self. That's six point four five six. Then um, he talks about six seven eight seven eight nine is basically where he says that yogis who have conquered the mind and senses rise above the dualities of cold heat, joy, sorrow, honor, dishonor, etc. And they see everything alike, which is samatvam, which is like, you know, uh, trying to see uh, everything in the same light. Uh, such yogis, he says, are peaceful and steadfast in their devotion to God. So they are continuously absorbed in the, you know, Brahman. Then he says, uh, how do we do meditation? Um, so point number four is uh, to practice yoga. You know, we've seen some slokas from 6.11 to 6.14, where he talks about, you know, the nature of the asana, the location, you know, how it should be, at what height it should be, and how should you do your meditation. So all this is done uh, to strive for purification of one's mind and focus with a one-pointed concentration, um, you know. Um, and he who does this also should have an unwavering mind and a vow of celibacy when he's meditating meditating on me. So these are the two other points that came across in those two slokas. Then, of course, 16 and 17, he talks about moderation. So he says anybody who wants to be successful in Dhyana Yoga uh, needs to have moderation, which is primarily saying that, you know, uh, he needs to have a good balance of, you know, all sets of activities, rest, sleep, act, you know, etc. Right. To progress in the path of, uh, you know, spirituality and meditation. And by doing so, point number six, he says the mind gets established in samadhi and it experiences infinite bliss. So as he progresses in meditation is when, you know, uh, the mind starts to move towards the Atma and uh, he gains, uh, you know, infinite bliss. And then uh, point number seven is one needs to focus one minds on God to bring it back. So when you're doing a dhyana, I think uh, the first thing is to focus your mind, uh, get it into a single pointed focus. The second one is to put it on, you know, uh, you know, the Ishtadevata or the God that you're, you know, meditating on. And the third job is if the mind moves away, you bring it back. So, which is what he re-emphasizes again in the latest slokas of the need for abhyasa and, uh, you know, uh, detachment. Yeah. 
Point number eight is uh, true yogis uniting their consciousness with God see with an equal eye. Samatvam again, all beings in God and God in all living beings. Okay, um, and he this is this loka this yomam paschati sarvatra sarvamcha mai paschati. I think um, there is once a statement saying that you know he who sees me everywhere and everyone in me. You know, so if one is he setting the context right as to who is he talking about. And the best part about the sloka was the assurance that he gives in the second line of the sloka. The assurance that he gives is, um, he dwells in me, and I'm in, though he's engaged in all uh, activities, and I'm never lost, nor are they ever lost to me. Okay. Now that second part is an assurance, right? So first he's saying you develop equanimity, and when you do that, you know I'm giving the assurance that you are not. you know going away and i'm not you know uh, going to uh, go away right i'm going to be with you and that's that's for me uh, you know very uh, great aha moment you know there's some assurances which have come in in bhagavad gita right um then point number 9 is a perfect yogi is one who sees true equality in all living beings and the second part is who he who is able to respond to the joys and sorrows of others as if they were his own right so i think sometimes we've had this discussion right um you know uh, people asking us for certain things do we know the authenticity of this etc etc right we've gone gone into that but we've taken the benefit of doubt there and said okay let's go and do it you know and i think um, this is also the story which i think uh, i spoke about earlier with satya sai baba used to say that um, you know when you're walking in the jungle and a thorn hits you on the uh, leg pricks you on the leg why should the eyes tear and the why should the mouth cry and why should the hand go and remove the uh, thorn it is because we see everything as one right as one body is similarly when you start having this um, you know ideology that everything is the same and you're a part of the brahman and whatever happens outside the world is equally your responsibility to be able to go and help out and try and you know uh, sort out the you know issues the joys and so i mean the sorrows that people are actually facing okay point number 10 is um, you know to the mind uh, so this is when uh, he talks about you know arjuna talks about the fact that it is so difficult to control um, and and he says the way to do it and the solution to this is practice and detachment okay that is the only way it can be controlled we understand that it is a difficult job but you will have to do it you know in parts and in steps and you can attain anybody can attain perfection in yoga so that is also an assurance in a way that you know if you are in this path and if you're doing it consistently diligently over a period of time you will also you know tend to attain perfection in yoga that is 635 36 point number 11 is uh, again a reassurance you know in this chapter for me is that no effort in this direction goes waste right uh, so so even if you think you have not achieved uh, and reached your destination in this uh, lifetime i mean you will be blessed to be born in a family which is uh, probably already elevated in yoga and the knowledge and the wisdom that they have so that you can start off at an early stage and continue your work from where you left so that's the second uh, you know um, you know kind of assurance that i found it and the last one he concludes saying that you know um, the one who is absorbed in me is the one who is the highest you know not a gnani and not a karma yogi but the person who is completely absorbed in me and that assurance for me again you know sort of comes back saying that you know uh, he will not leave me and i will not leave him i am going to be there. right so that's about it that's it om that's it thank you awesome any questions for subhu i i can't hear you the thorn example is very good subhu so <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i think also like that uh, the assurance part right where he says yeah. that uh, 
you know, it's not you giving up. I won't give up on you, right? I think that's very exactly. subtle. Uh, it's very beautiful, and that, and that's very important, actually. So, Subhu, you can't still hear me. We, I so can hear. You can you can hear me, Subhu? Yeah, I can. I can. But you can't hear me. No, it's coming in. It's 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 very odd, huh, Today that sometimes I'm able to hear, sometimes I'm not able to hear. So I don't know whether there's a problem here in my side. I don't know. Even okay. I can't. And I then this is the India side. I think Rajesh, maybe your IP is blocked or something. I think US. Oh, no, but Udayi can hear you. Yeah, yeah, Udayi can hear you. Yeah, so it's. <laughs> no, I'm able to hear uh, Muku. I'm able to hear him. So oh, there you go. <laughs> very strange, man. No, but anyway, let me just uh, kind of you know say this, right? I think uh, I like the story, Subhu. What you talked about, uh, Subhu. Even if you can't hear, it's okay. I'll no, I can hear. Just it. say this. I can hear the story about you know the thorn getting stuck in the feet and the hand and hand is going to remove it and all that. So looks like I I read this in uh, Swami Paramarthananda's lecture somewhere. Looks like there is still an unresolved. Uh, uh, case in the court today. Apparently, it's still a legal case. So somebody went and asked. Uh, you know, uh, somebody was uh, uh, put on put on the bench and uh, in the in the cage, and they they said, okay, who does this body belong to, right? And then the judge is still not decided because the arguments came up saying that uh, the you know uh, one uh, the uh, argument was that you know the the body which has been nourished by the five elements is belonging to the five elements. Okay. Then uh, the other argument was because the body is the home for millions of bacteria, the body belongs to the bacteria within the body. Okay. Then the wife comes back and says, you know, he's been legally married to me. So half of his body is mine. Okay. Then the parents come back and say, saying that we gave birth to that particular body, which was nourished by the five elements later on. Therefore, the original seed belonged to us. Therefore, the body belongs to us. Okay. So now the, the judge has accepted all these arguments and actually you can Google, Google for this. Okay. The case of a, you know, I think it's called the case of a, who, 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 who belongs to this, who, who owns this body or whatever. Right. So effectively the case has still not been resolved legally because there is all these arguments are valid enough. Okay. Which only goes on to prove saying that the body and mind is not yours to claim whatever it is. Yeah, true. Yep. All right. Uh, who's going to go next? Uday. Me? All right. Yeah. Maybe okay. you said that you will do it next week, is it? Yes, Rajesh. Okay. okay. All right. Um, thanks, everyone. So I. It's going to be a repetition of what uh, what has already been covered, um, but my focus was the last part of the chapter six, where there are uh, two sets of dialogues between uh, Arjuna and Krishna. I thought that was really a masterpiece from a authorship perspective, and how um, you know Maharishi Vyasa has gone up to the stage of uh, you know samadhi and then he reels back to explain a very common man's uh, issues around uh, you know whether it is practical and whether you know what happens if i don't achieve this and all that right so i thought that was very masterful and i could really those uh, two sets of dialogues really resonated very well with me not that you know the earlier parts were all 
super uh, superlative as well. But I thought I'll focus on 33 through 36, which is the first set of dialogues in the interest of, uh, you know, keeping it within a five minute window, right? So uh, 33 was when he says, when Arjuna says that, uh, you know, uh, this, the mind is so restless, I don't think that I will ever uh, be in the state of yoga in continuity, right? Uh, he says that the mind has uh, uh, is chanchal in nature, right? It is uh, uh, and maintaining equanimity, uh, you know, by this mind uh, with this mind is going to be next to uh, impossible. It's not practicable at all. And then he says the mind is uh, turbulent. It is unyielding and it is very strong or stubborn. And how am I going to get this mind to be, uh, you know, quiet and uh, then focus on meditation, right? For which uh, uh, Krishna then, like uh, like it was mentioned earlier, says that, yes, he agrees that uh, the mind is very wavering and uh, restless. But he says that by practice and by dispassion, it is restrained. And uh, if you, when I read the commentary by uh, Swami Chinmayananda, he says the order of the words in that shloka, right, that by practice and by dispassion, mind, the mind can be restrained, right? So he says, um, so dispassion is also the vairagya, right? You give up. So um, and that people think that I will wait for that fine day when I start feeling the dispassion or when I want to give up things and then I will start my journey uh, for the uh, spiritual part of my life, right? And uh, Bhagavan says that it is, uh, or Swami C interprets this as the words, the order of the words, right? It's only by practice that you can develop vairagyam. It is not the other way around. It's not that once you get vairagyam, you start the practice. So I thought that was that was an aha moment for me, right? Uh, through practice and renunciation, the mind can be brought under control in the beginning and ultimately to a perfect halt. Yeah, and then he defines what is renunciation, right? There are two things, renunciation. First is, all clinging attachments to the objects of the world, the sense objects of the world, right? That's the number one. And number two is lingering expectations for fruits of action. Yeah. So these two things, if you are able to control, then I think you are able to uh, uh, get that dispassion, if you will, and then your mind can be calmed, right? And he says, Vairagya born out of abhyasa alone is the charter for free spiritual growth of your own accord never renounce anything i thought that was also something very uh, uh, very uh, profound and uh, then uh, you know he talks about how yoga is hard to be attained by one who is uncontrolled, right? An uncontrolled self. But for somebody who has the self-control and with striving, they can obtain uh, the uh, yoga in a proper uh, way, right? 
some of the points that I that really hit home uh, for me is an agitated mind is no instrument either for listening or for reflection or for meditation, right? Uh, and without listening, reflection, and meditation, these three, uh, the wheeling power cannot be rolled up, right? The avarna that they talk about, that cannot be rolled up unless you are able to listen, you're able to reflect, and you're able to meditate, right? So, and you cannot get any of these three if you have an agitated mind. So, getting the mind in control is something that is really uh, important and for that he has given the steps ahead right uh, and another thing i liked is self-controlled achieved through the process of total withdrawal of sense organs from their respective objects is the beginning of spiritual life and this is never possible until we learn to turn our minds to the higher truth so they're all interrelated right so once you start uh, reflecting on the higher truth, that is when you will think about your senses, controlling your senses. And once you control your senses, your mind can be, um, your mind can be controlled, your mind can be quietened, then, then you can practice meditation, right? Um, so that I'll stop there. That, those were the few points that I think were really important for me to understand how we can get started on this whole meditation uh, process. Yeah. So thank you. Very nice, Uday. Uday, can you just tell me that sloka for listen, reflect, and meditate? Listen, reflect, and meditate was uh, 36. 36, okay. 36. It's the commentary of 36. Uh, okay. So it's not the sloka itself, but it's. Yeah, yeah. it's Chitmaya's commentary. commentary. Yes, yes, yeah. I think that classic is a classic dialogue. I, I do agree there, right? It's amazing yeah. the way it just, I mean, I don't know how many thousand years back it was written. It's still relevant still when you relevant. read it and, and all can resonate with those questions and the way it gets answered. Just just, just, just blows my mind away. That you could perceive that, right? That yeah. These questions will come up at this point in time when yeah. I'm talking about such lofty uh, end states, right? Yeah. That people will think, what 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 BS are you giving me? Tell me how I can <laughs> out of out of all Arjuna Vacha, I think this is the best. Maybe, you know, <laughs> I don't know. From seventh to eighteenth, maybe there are better than this, but at least so far, you know, this is the one that completely resonated. <laughs> Actually, uh, Professor uh, V. Krishnamurti also says, uh, this is a very appropriate moment. Vyasacharya thought like, oh, we have to give the commentator box version. <laughs> because like Krishna went up Samadhi, 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 Dhyana and all that to a very high plane. But he needs to bring him back to, so he put Arjuna on the spot and said, ask the question everybody is figuring out right now in their mind. Like, will I be able to do it? And what if I don't fully succeed, uh, succeed at this moment? Two beautiful yeah. questions. I, I also like in a meta way kind of pondered uh, that you'll have like good birth and you'll be in the right mode. Uh, we can think of all ourselves in the Purva Janma where we did something that now we are in this satsang and we are reading true, Gita. Very true. Right? Very so true. This is the last one. So, yeah. All right. Any other questions for Uday? <coughs> awesome. Cool. Uday, thank you so much. So we have Vidya last. But before Vidya, you go one comment about VK, right? So uh, Guns has been trying to get a preface uh, uh, written by someone for his book and he's been writing to multiple people. 
and including professor vk within 2 minutes professor vk responded okay wow. so he is trying to and he, by the way vk i just looked up his website he is 94 now 90 yeah uh, 94 he is not <laughs> old when he, 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 i i will show you i don't know right? somebody just visited him uh, just about 3 4 days back i'll send you the picture yeah oh nice yeah. Yeah, when is he sorry he's as bright as he was in kalan i mean amazing yeah. i mean he's lived his life uh, absolutely you know in the sense the right way yeah and it's all right with yeah go ahead okay hari om uh, everyone thank you for giving me this uh, opportunity to be with all of you for last uh, one and a half years and going through chapter 1 through 6 i can't believe that <laughs> so uh, really uh, all of you are my gurus and uh, like uh, and i am myself my guru too uh, according to chapter 6 so with that um, i know um, i think all of you did great summarizing so i was trying to think i should put my mind into full concentration on myself to see what i gained um, and starting right off the bat uh, from the first shloka where uh he talks about nishkama karma so with that i really loved how he started with nishkama karma and i think uh, in shloka 5 719 he he talked about what is atman like jitatma prashantatma and then yogatma so he he talks about all these the qualities of atma but those three words really struck me uh, it, it was beautiful how he said um you know calm your mind to have the jitatma and uh, with prashantatma saying that it should be just uh, unagitated and then yogatma he comes with the yogi yogatma like really like a sanyasi right that's the that's the way he talked about it so these three struck to me and i was looking at myself as as if i'm still kind of a sometimes a bhogi um where i'm selfish and then um i am kind of a karma yogi jnana yogi and bhakti yogi all together where i'm trying to eliminate that selfishness and trying to be nishkama karma right so i'm still in in that phase of eliminating my um selfishness and trying to be uh, selfless desireless you know that that portion um and then i want to go to a place where i am a yogi where i am totally selfless and i have no desires and that's when i can be like a um ekagrachit mind where i can be one with everything and that's myself that that atman where i will get that happiness so so that's what i got with these three in you know progression of being really <laughs> bhoga karma you know bhogi to nyani or you know um, eliminating my desires to sanyasi or yogi within myself um so at some points i can be but at some points i'm not there i i'll fall back and this uh, chapter was so beautiful that it tells how to be that but then arjuna asked that question again you know bhagwan says in a beautiful way to get out of that loop and come to that higher state so that's what i got out of this whole uh, chapter 6 summarized from chapter 1 through chapter 6 my my favorite um, you know shlokas were again from 20 to 23 which 
Alpna summarized it beautifully. Um, then I would say uh, 29 and 30, and I think Mukund, Krishna, Satya, and Sakuba, and Subhu, everyone, um, you know, summarized that. But I, I really uh, liked number 47, the last one. That, that was the one that, um, you know, uh, when you say, you know, that's, that's what I got uh, out of the last one where you say with, with all that only I could only achieve it. I'm talking about myself is when I have that Shraddha for myself, the Shraddha for the, the, the power of that God. Um, so he, he says with Shraddhaman Bhajati Yomam Same Yuktotma Mataha. So it's, it's beautifully summarized into starting with Nishkama Karma, but you have to have Shraddha all the time to just come into that portion of being that yogi or sannyasi where you're just selfless and that selfless becomes the whole universe in the sense from the anu to you know the whole universe so that's what i liked and i really liked how alpana started with her shloka it meant so much for me to just summarize this this whole thing together um thank you Wonderful, Vidya. Thank you so much. Any questions for Vidya? I, I agree. I think whatever we did last month, I think this even this is, is a proof of the continuation of the journey. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I agree with comments. I feel the same. Yeah. No, the six chapters were just amazing. Like Go through slowly. I know many one of, many of you have done the whole Gita, but I'm only doing from first to six. <laughs> so it really meant a lot for me in the sense that, you know, how, how you can just progress and not give up. Just not give up. Even if you miss one or two sessions, you can come back and then okay. just continue. Uh, so, so that was my uh, journey through, throughout these two years. So thank you all of you. And I assure you, Vidya, if you read it again, right, you'll get a completely get different, different perspective. Yes. perspective. Yeah. The whole text is like that. Yeah. Each time you read, depending on, I don't know, maybe your frame of mind or what is going through in your life, right. you you get out different uh, aspects uh, each time. And it's just amazing the yeah. layering of messages that is there in this text. Yeah. Is, is I know that, that is so true. You know, uh, chapter six itself, was bringing back some few things from chapter two and <laughs> chapter four, you know. So it was amazing how we could I could remember a few things and uh, and some things were totally maybe it is from some other um, you know time I had lived as a human being. Some things were coming totally unknown, uh, which was also interesting to see that. And he says that uh, you know. Every yuga you can accumulate and you're never going behind. You're actually going forward. So which, which actually says that, that you are going forward. You are uh, going to realize that higher self. There's no going back. So it's, it's amazing. And in fact, in, in this, I think one of the sloka, he says that the, the memories that you carried will come back to his physical body, right? Like one, yeah. one of the, So that's why, you know, where, wherever you get those insights, what you're talking are all from you know the, the karma that you know the, the the memories that you carry from the 
understanding from the previous part. Correct. Wow, nice. Actually, uh, Satisai Baba used to say that uh, knowingly or unknowingly, everyone is on a spiritual journey. Okay, so including us, including those who are not probably a part of this session, right? Yeah. Um, because what happens is that they will have their learnings, uh, you know, through whatever experiences that they have in their lives, right? Some joy, mm-hmm. some sorrow, some frustration, some this, some that. And at some point, it just flashes and says, hey, this is not something that is giving me permanent bliss and I need to, you know, look at something more, right? And when that desire comes in place then you know people start to then you know retract and um, you know people realign people recalibrate and then they say this is how my life should be so even they are on a spiritual journey it's just that it's it's a time of awakening right and once awakening happens um, you know awakening can happen like a camphor also what they say you know like karpuram you know yeah. you just um, some people at some age at 50 60 they haven't even touched anything you know but at that point in time it just flashes right and all you need is that one second and split you know sign of enlightenment and then you're there and then it doesn't matter whether you walked it through you know the forest or whether you walked it on the road or whether you fell down and you did all this nothing matters because once you realize the end uh, goal and destination right and i think uh, um rajesh also spoke about the mount everest example right that is uh, many paths but then once you reach the summit you know uh, it's a feeling of this and it doesn't matter where which path you came by right so you've actually reached out to your destination so knowingly or unknowingly everybody's on a spiritual journey <laughs> it's like the avial that uh, krishna talked about you know everything yeah, is yeah. within you <laughs> beautiful very nice Awesome. I think uh, uh, that was great. So next week we will uh, we will wait for the rest of the people to complete uh, their uh, uh, revisions. And you know, um, um, although the fact that it's just chapter six that we are revising, and, and you know, we, some of us we start off by saying that it's the same thing what uh, the previous speaker has talked and and all that. But definitely there are new insights that keep coming up every time yeah. a person speaks. For example. You know, when Budai was saying that, you know, I uh, I picked that, you know, Subhu, you asked him for the reference for that, listen, understand, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that one, I also want to go back and refer to it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's it. All right. So, next week, uh, you know, the rest of the people, and uh, we will we'll do that. And Ajay, it's fine if you want to do it on December 18th or later, that's okay. But uh, whoever wants to complete uh, by next week, uh, we will we will complete. And then uh, the following week onwards, we'll do Manisha Panchakama. And Alpana, would you mind uh, sharing the book once again uh, of Manisha Panchakam? And uh, Subhu, please share your recording of Manisha Panchakam to the group. Yeah, I, I will do that. I was just thinking that uh, let uh, the chapter six get over and once it gets over, I'll put it across. Yeah. And before we start Manisha Panchakam... Uh, yeah, I will do that. I will. No, no, you do that. You do that offline, but we would want you to chant it on the day yeah. when we start Manisha Panchakam. Yes, so we all get into the mood, basically. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, and, thank you. I mean, I'll share the, the text and all. Unfortunately, I think till 8th Jan, I may not be able to join. Have okay. something. Yeah. Uh, do we plan to take any break because kids are back home and their thing? I think are... we should take a break. I agree. And I guess that some of, some of, uh, some of you are also getting to Pilani, right? So we'll take a break. And fifteenth <laughs> Yeah, I think we should do that. But next week we can finish up the revisions if that's okay with you. 
And then maybe okay. Ajay, Ajay's revision can happen on Jan 15th and then we can start with Manisha Panchpal. Right. If we can. I'll, I'll send out a note in the group uh, uh, so we can get a break. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Sairam, yeah. Let's conclude with a prayer. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Santu Niramaya Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Om Shanti 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 Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Harihi Om See you all next weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.